Hi, and welcome to Please Stop, a podcast that engages in a holistic critique of the Christian culture we grew up with through the lens of pop culture and media with humour, honesty, and thought-provoking discussion. I am with Beck and Anna. Hello. Luxury cars, private jet planes, vast mansions and properties, expensive suits, extravagant TV sets, prosperity gospel, everything is so sacred and holy and serious, feels like the 80s even though it's 2020, a lot of southern accents and big hair staring directly at the camera and into your soul, assurance in their prophetic words, kitschy and vaguely religious giftware for sale, they will pray for you if you send money, oil, literal snake oil salesmen, scammy, sex scandals, big gestures and promises with over-pronunciation of certain words, authoritative voices that speak with frightening confidence in God's behalf, and likewise admonish the demons to hell with the same vim and vigor, comforting listeners with promises of prayer, while simultaneously terrifying the gold right out of their bank accounts and into their pious pockets. What are we talking about? Televangelists. My experience of televangelists is actually quite limited. Um, It's not something that we have a lot of over here in Australia. Like, obviously, we have access to it, but, I mean, growing up, I didn't really see a lot of anything like that. The first televangelist I really saw would have been Joyce Meyer. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, I guess as a teenager, I was just like, oh, they let Christian stuff on TV. Like that was yeah, kind of my whole thought process behind it. It's so American, isn't it? Very. It's very, very. culturally part of, like it's it's a cultural to be a, a Christian, like not just religious, but culturally yeah. in America anyways. Whereas here, it's like, oh, Joyce Meyer, cool. She's got nice teeth. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> they all had nice they teeth. All, yeah, well, I wonder if they were born that way, if God did it, or if maybe there's some other means i think they pay a lot of money for their teeth funding where do they get the money from then i don't know it's hard work (laughs) definitely from god god oh yeah yeah tish (laughs) save us (laughs) do you know it i it it seems like it's a time capsule when you think of televangelists you think of 80s 1980s with the big hair and the suits and yet they're around and it's 2020 and i don't know why my mind goes right to that in the handmaid's tale the book um serena joy margaret atwood based her off a conservative televangelist they changed that from into the miniseries but no yeah she was meant to be yeah um a televangelist i think of like kurt cameron and the banana debate does anyone know what that is it was it was funny him and once some other guy ray comfort yeah ray comfort so yeah, the banana debate where um, Kurt Cameron and, and the other guy, the comfort guy, Ray Comfort, Ray comfort were on this tirade about the banana was intelligently designed, but the colour that uh, when it ripens, it changes colour. So humans know when to eat it. And then the way that it's curved, the way that humans can hold it properly. Um, and, there was a, <laughs> and there was a third part, which... Doesn't really matter. The point is that they both. <laughs> I'm serious. The third part I said was that the you didn't feel it. You did already. Okay. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that basically. Well, and the third part was um, you could peel the banana and it's easily accessible. And their argument is it was intelligently designed. But the funny thing about that is it is designed by humans over thousands of years of growing and cultivating bananas. So it's kind of evolution. So it's evolutionary. So checkmate atheists. Checkmate. They believe. Great comfort. Yeah. 
Yeah. Also, bananas are ripe when they're brown, not yellow, you dumbass. <laughs> That's true, though. Like, yellow isn't the optimum time to eat it because the sugars are fully developed. When it's brown, it looks like it's off. Or black, the black spot. The blacker it is, the sweeter it is, and you're meant to eat it yeah. once. Yeah, but then the texture is all bananas bad. Bananas are disgusting. And the texture is even more disgusting, but that's just human preference. Yeah. But technically, bananas are yeah. ripe and ready to eat when they're brown. But doesn't that like, like baby food? Doesn't that remind you of a conversation like when you when you had a when you're a bit high and you're like, hey, the bananas, yes. they're so cool. Why like, are they smoking? Yeah, because yeah, I want some. Because yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Yeah. What are all these televangelists smoking that makes them think this is a good idea? Yeah. Oh, I think I know what it is. Money. Money. Yeah. Well, isn't it um, Tammy Lee Baker? Jim Baker's wife? Yeah, she ended up, um, you know, having a drug addiction and yeah. and stuff. It was um, prescription drugs that she was addicted to, but it was this whole big thing. And they actually used it, like, on their show as, like, you know, like Road her working, working through her yeah. drug addiction. Because they're stuff. really good at putting a spin, like, spinning anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that same grace isn't extended to other people for no. some reason. Not at all. The definition of a televangelist, and interestingly enough, it says noun, North American, um, an evangelical preacher who appears regularly on television to promote beliefs and appeal for funds. And I guess what you see very commonly is that televangelism is pretty ferociously, I guess, tied to the prosperity gospel, which is this teaching that um, God wants you to be wealthy. Yeah, prosperity theology views... The Bible is a contract between God and humans. If you have faith in God, he will deliver security and prosperity. And it emphasizes the importance of personal empowerment, that it's God's will for his people to be blessed, which is an interesting read of the Bible because, okay, yes, maybe the Bible says that God wants his people to be blessed and be healthy and all of that, but that doesn't necessarily translate into being a millionaire. That's um, our well, prosperity gospel preachers interpretation of that isn't it yeah like prosperity gospel is very much like if you have enough faith mm. then you will have all your wants and needs met yeah or it's that if you give money if you give all your money yeah. god will give it back to you in abundance so there are people that give all their money particularly to televangelists um and expecting to get it back yeah. in some way shape or form and the reality is they don't get it back. No. But the televangelists become really rich. Yeah. So that do. just emphasizes the point of the televangelists because mm. they're saying, well, look how blessed I've been. Yeah, so I must I must be telling the truth because look at me. Yep. It's, um, it reminds me a little bit of pyramid schemes. I was going to say, like yeah. Multi-level marketing where um, people who got in on the ground level of it um, probably did make a lot of money. But with pyramid schemes, you're basically – increasing your competition by trying to recruit more people to also sell stuff. Yep. Um, and it's exponential, right? So if you get in at the base level, then very unscrupulously, you can make a lot of money, but these people down the end of the chain aren't going to be making much money and it gets harder and harder to recruit people, but they're going to look at you and you're going to want them to keep trying to recruit people. So you're going to say, look at me. I just went on a holiday in Belize because I have so much money because I stuck at my Tupperware or whatever it is and you can be this rich too. And so they keep hopelessly, hopefully, I guess. What I don't like is how, I mean, a lot of stuff, but mostly that they, they're preying on the desperation of these people who like, 
want them to pray for them because they really believe that there's more power in the prayers of these televangelists because obviously God has blessed them. So God listens to their prayers. So if Benny Hinn says, hey, if you send me a thousand dollars, I will send you this little gold brooch that is of, in the shape of a cross and I will pray for your cancer to be healed. And then you're going to go, wow, a thousand dollars to cure my cancer because obviously Benny Hinn is heard by God. Then yeah, go for it. Please take my money. I'll go into debt for it. And there's pastors, evangelists, like encouraging people to buy credit cards as an act of faith and like to open credit cards as an act of faith and to use the money on the credit card to invest in their faith future as like a seed. And, and that's, I, that, I don't think that's the mustard seed that Jesus was talking about when Sermon on the Mount, like blessed are the poor, the meek. I mean, does Creflo Dollar come across as meek? Does <laughs> Kenneth Copeland come across as meek? I was once at a um, conference and Creflo Dollar was the um, the speaker mm. and he came to Australia on his private jet and he talked about how um, prior to getting the particular jet that he flew to, flew to Australia on, he, um, he had another jet but it was getting old and so he needed a new plane and um, he had a million dollars that he'd been gifted and he felt that God was telling him to um, give that million dollars to the church and so he did and then a few days later he was given a brand new plane some crap like that it was this whole thing I about that. Give, give, give us everything that you have like be sold and, out. Yeah, yeah. Literally. That that's it. That's it. Because there's the story in the Bible of um, the lady who gives her last coin, and yeah, I guess that that's kind of what they dive into. There is give everything that you have to you know express your faithfulness to God, mm. and and you will receive from Him mm. blessings in abundance. But at that conference where Creflo Dollar is talking about he, how he has all these planes, there was a separate, everybody paid a ticket to get to that conference. There was a separate offering taken up for Creflo Dollar, like to pay him on top of what he had already been paid. Yeah. Because, you know, people needed to show their faithfulness. Having grown up in missions, a similar thing that kind of sits oddly with me post all of this is um we would pray for money we would ask god to like raise support or whatever and then somebody would send money usually the church or some of our supporters or whatever and it was oh thank you god okay maybe it was because they were trying to follow god but at the same time that money didn't just fall from the sky it came from somebody who earned it going to a job and then decided to give it to us yeah and so that money that whenever preachers go oh god will give or he'll bless you it's like yeah you're getting blessed through literal people who have physical money and are giving it to you um so you're telling this poor person who's got nothing and has come to your conference to hopefully get healed and is believing that if they give everything they will also get everything they don't have the network that you have they don't have the following you have they don't have the clout they're not televangelists they're just yep. regular people and where's the money going to come from is it just going to fall out of the sky and yeah maybe once or twice they might find a 20 dollar note on the ground and think that it came from god but it's not that's not changing lives that's encouraging a false understanding of the gospel and potentially ruining lives like when yeah, they get right. sick people to throw their crutches off the stage because they've been healed even though there's no actual proof <laughs> any actual healing has happened benny hinn for example no proof documentary crew followed him around 
no actual proof that a healing has ever happened that wasn't a plant or wasn't like vague and with no actual evidence. Like it, it's preying on the vulnerable, really. And whatever you do, because it's not viable, you, you, it always goes back to you and your lack of faith. Mm. And whatever you do, and no matter how you bankrupt yourself, if it doesn't happen, it's always on to you. It reminds me of um, several years ago talking about pyramid schemes and um, they do know how to prey on specific types. Yeah. I knew somebody said to me, oh, hey, Tish, uh, I want you to meet this guy and, yeah, it'd be great. And um, so I went to the cafe, which had no phone signal either. Oh, no. Um, and I actually thought my friend was setting me up with someone and it ended up being this older man who talked to me about my dreams and my goals and what I wanted to do and, and how God had plans for me and, and all that kind of stuff. He would never say specifically what it was that he was selling though. Mm. Um, and then he gave me a card and said there was a meeting the week after. And so I went with my friend to this meeting and it was full on pyramid scheme <laughs> stuff. Like, wow. and, and I looked back, I was like, what, 20? Like now I would just laugh at it and be sarcastic <laughs> yeah. and not even go. But at the time I was a young, vulnerable, disabled, impressionable, impressionable young Christian yes. girl with no critical thought. Oh no, I say that I did have critical thought, but I, I denied it because you're not allowed to have critical thought. And luckily I stepped back before I actually signed up for anything or committed. But I mean, how easily is it that you can just be taken advantage of? Yeah. And in yeah. God's name. And in God's name. It's a whole other level of um, exploitation. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is that prosperity gospel can be really um, subtle as well. Mm. It's not always in your face. It's mm. not always somebody saying, I have a million dollar jet and you can too. Sometimes it's, you know, someone standing at the front of a church saying, I didn't have any money and then I had faith and yeah. now I own my house. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's. Do you remember the prayer of Jabez? Yeah, that was yeah. a whole fad. We we were in India when that was all going on, but um, an outreach team from here brought us um a copy of the book, like the tiny little book. Yep. I think I must have missed this. Yeah, it's um, was he one of the judges? Yeah, judges, yeah, I think? believe so. Yeah, yeah, um, in of Israel, and he prayed a very specific prayer, and I can't remember it exactly, but one of the lines was. Lord, I pray that you would increase my boundary. That was one of the lines. And there were a couple of other things. But it, and then, oh, I can't remember. And I'm not going to look it up because I don't really want to. But <laughs> basically, it's like four lines of scripture. And for some reason, it was a fad at the time. And, um, and you people, were supposed to pray it every day. You were supposed to pray it every day. And then God would bring you, increasing your boundary means you're going to get land. You're going to get a home. Um, you'll cattle no that's <laughs> but yeah you know basically it was if you pray this it's the magic formula to because obviously he had something special so but yeah and it is that it's trying to use the bible or as god code, or religion right? as, as some kind of magic spell yeah when if you look at the life of jesus he didn't own property he didn't have a place to put his head he was a socialist yo oh i swore <laughs> Because you said the S word? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, though. And, I mean, I don't know, like, if we want to get too in-depth with this. And it's not like we're a bunch of socialist hippies, like, maybe borderline for some of us. But <laughs> but we can all agree capitalism's, like, a kind of harmful. 
Um, kind of. And I feel like there's a direct link between prosperity teaching and capitalism mm -hmm. in the whole like you can it, it's all on you it's on you to um work hard you'll become successful work hard at your faith and god will reward you and those things kind of seem to go hand in hand and considering televangelism and prosperity gospel kind of originated in the states where capitalism was king um and like freedom and independence and all those things tying together it, it kind of makes sense that they go hand in hand so you, that's why you can have jet owning kenneth copeland who will argue that he needs it because he doesn't want to fly commercial and be trapped in a tube with demons while he's flying all over the world. And and somehow he's comparable to Jesus, who the foxes have their holes and the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. How is that the same? How is blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, the same as, you know, Jim Baker selling doomsday buckets? <laughs> Speaking of which, do we want to talk about our case study for the night? We do. So Jim Baker um, is a televangelist. He um, basically was a husband-wife wife team with his wife, Tammy Lee Baker. And um, together they started a program um, with puppets. Um, and they were, um, I believe, televised with that to begin with. Um, and then they had a TV show that was um, aimed at children. Mm. And then they started a TV show that was basically like a talk show. It had segments in it and it had, you know, different preachers coming on and, and entertainers and all sorts of things. And it became this really successful show to the point where they um, became a satellite network. He is a pretty big deal in terms of televangelists and the Pentecostal church in America. He's 80 now, so he was born in, what's that? 1940. So he was born basically, I guess, uh, end of World War II. And, you know, basically um, following that was the Depression. He was born prematurely and his parents were very thought him to be very fragile so he didn't have a lot of physical touch from any of his family while he was growing up um, so he was kind of um, neglected in a sense and a lot of his upbringing was quite cold and I guess clinical in in the way that he related to his parents and his family um, he was also later on abused as a child sexually abused by a family friend a, a church friend but he didn't realise it was abuse as a child because he hadn't had any physical affection. Mm. So he was so desperate for any kind of affection he took it, that yeah. he, he took it. And then, um, yeah, that person kind of abandoned him. And it, it did say, go on to say that he, um, he had same-sex attractedness during his high school years. They didn't really go into that further after that. But there are allegations later in, in his ministry. Yeah, that. he had a really rough upbringing. Not that that excuses any of what he has done, but I found it interesting to, I guess, have that foundation for understanding um, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. As a high schooler, he was basically the coordinator of a variety show that their school ran as a fundraiser, and he did that every year. Um, until he graduated. Apparently he was really, really good at it and he became quite popular because of it. People wanted to market him and he was like a DJ and 
whatever that looked like in the late 50s. He claims that he actually, in his last year of high school, that he hit a child with his car accidentally. And that's what inspired him to go to Bible college instead of going in another direction. But that's actually kind of an embellishment on the reality of what happened because he actually, he did hit a child with his car when he was a teenager, but it was two years before he graduated. Um, In a lot of his stories, he manipulates the stories yeah. to make them more impactful and to manipulate the listener. So he went to Bible college, dropped out after two years, admitted he'd never read the Bible yeah. and went on with the woman he met in Bible college and married to become traveling evangelists. And yeah, that's where they kind of started their PTL evangelistic club. yeah, career. So why, why isn't he a good guy though? Oh, so many reasons. So his career basically is, you know, made up of this televangelism show and churches that he runs and and all of those things he very much was about the money so they made millions of dollars and they built like a theme park heritage park heritage park which was like the third most popular theme park in america what is with televangelists and building theme parks? There's I don't even know. Ken Ham has um, <laughs> the, um, the creation. creation theme park. Yeah, it has a big Noah's Ark in Ted it. Hoven has one too. And this guy had, is it? was it called Heritage World or something? Uh, Her- Heritage Park USA or something? Yeah, yeah. And that was, I think, the first major scandal was that he, um, he had a big fundraiser to build the place that hadn't even been built. And he had a fundraiser for missions, like out-of-country missions, okay. but they actually used that money for the park, not for out-of-country okay. missions. Well, then, later, what um, he sold lifetime four-day vacations, uh, hotel stays at the hotel at Heritage Park um, for a small, for I think it was like $1,000 each. Yeah, so it was $1,000 for a, for a three-night three annual stay. Yeah, but um, he sold thousands of them like four thousand he, he sold sixty thousand oh my god of them. sixty thousand so mathematically it wasn't possible to to fit them all in it just yeah did not work. and it was intentional and it was intentional it was just money grabbing yep and um and so that's well that's was the made the first big thing did he didn't go to jail for that though did he uh that was one of the charges yes okay when was that oh when he went to jail yeah oh well the, 87, the, like 80, 87 was when the court hearing yeah. start or when the accusation started. It, started yeah. it went on for five weeks, the trial. And um, at the end, he was convicted of every account. They, the jury said guilty on all charges. So he got, I think, 45 years yeah. and a $5,000 fine. A $500,000 fine. That makes more sense. But it's still nothing compared to the amount of money that he had received in the whole course of this. And then at the hearing, at the, yeah, the ruling, sorry. No, he, did, he appealed it. You know, because the judge said, those of us who hold religion despise being made saps by preachers, money-grubbing preachers and priests. That's how he repealed it, or appealed it and um, got his sentence uh, lightened because he said that the judge had mixed religion and state and had not made an, was an unbiased ruling. And yeah, he won. So, yeah, and the, this coming from the guy who comes from a whole line of preachers who mix state and religion all the time. I mean, Jerry Falwell, the guy that he handed Heritage Park and everything over to when he was going to jail into his hands, 
he, he's Jerry Falwell, the guy who worked with Reagan to turn the Republican Party into, you know, the tool of the evangelical right. And, uh, like, it just makes me so angry that he then used that as, like, a reason to not have to be held responsible for all of the evil that he did. And he's like, oh, you're mixing religion and politics, not allowed to do that, when here I am doing the exact same thing. He also um, peddled a cure for the coronavirus, the silver solution, which is interesting. Because he, he said um, during the segment, he held up the blue bottle um, and asked one of his expert panelists, a naturopathic doctor um, whose name was Cheryl Selman, whether the stuff actually works. So he said, this influenza that is now circling the globe, you're saying that silver solution would be effective? And she answered, well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of coronavirus, but it has been tested on other strains of the coronavirus and has been able to eliminate it within 12 hours, totally eliminates it, kills it, deactivates it. Um, and later in the segment, she also claimed that the silver solution has been proven by the government that it has the ability to kill every pathogen it has ever been tested on, including SARS and HIV, and would also provide users with a vibrant immune system as well as, as, well as an ability to deactivate these viruses. So on that program, the bottles at the Silver Solution are offered as incentives for donations to Baker's Ministry. <laughs> Currently, his website offers various packages of Silver Solution for donations ranging from $125 and to $300. Um, something funny about that, uh, John Oliver, the um, Last Week Tonight um, host, yeah. he's, um, who spoke about Baker's attempt to profit off the virus. The Last Week Tonight Show created a website of their own. That's a real website. That's his own miracle cure, John Oliver's Premium Werewolf Solution. <laughs> and if you look onto it, look on the website, um, it, takes visitors, it takes visitors onto the landing page that simply says, you should not have come here. Um, <laughs> so that's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And technically he's not selling it because you can get it for free as long as you donate. So yeah. he can't be held liable. Not, yeah. For... yeah. And yeah. John Oliver does a really amazing segment on um, televangelists. And then, uh, but he connects it with tax evasion and like using religion to be tax exempt. So then he started his own church. Yeah, that's right. No, you talk about, I don't know the details. A lady of perpetual exemption. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all like, you know, to, about how they're being exempt from having to pay taxes and collecting all these, like all this money. And he ended it in 2015 and all the money made by it because people were donating the crap out of like to it, like wanting to give him money for good. Um, then he donated it all to Medicine Sans Frontiers. So to Doctors Without Borders, just so you know, can like name one televangelist who's done something like that. Yeah. Supported and actually exactly. it's doing good and not just taking it. That was good. But exploiting people's fears about coronavirus to sell them poison because really all it's going to do is turn you ashy gray and potentially hurt your digestive system, but not actually cure anything because it's all speculative and not properly researched and nobody should drink it. Don't. Don't drink bleach, kids. Yeah. Like you were saying before, um, he kind of, 1987 was kind of the peak of what he went through and then he went to prison and then his wife divorced him. And then he came out of prison and he kind of rose again. <laughs> um, Three days later. Got married again and um, started a new ministry. Um, and, yeah, now he has what have come to be known as Baker Buckets, where basically they're for um, people wanting to prepare for the apocalypse. The end times. 
And so they have a bucket of dehydrated foods and soups and there was pizza as well. And I watched a um, tasting um, episode of it on YouTube. They basically tasted it and rated the food. And they made like, there was pizza, they made burgers, there was chocolate pudding, there was some kind of potato soup. There was all sorts of, sorts of stuff. But they didn't give any of it a great rating. Basically, you can receive one of these buckets by donating $175 or something like that. Um, and you get all of this dehydrated food because, you know, you need to be preparing for the apocalypse yeah. because the end is near because, you know, obviously Obama was the Antichrist and then, you know, now yeah. that Trump's in office. He's a warrior for the Lord. Yeah, now um, that Trump's in office, it's uh, it's not that there's necessarily an Antichrist, it's that all of the natural disasters are, you know, obviously pointing towards the apocalypse. Again, it's just exploitating fear, right? Things are crazy in the world right now. It's 2020. Don't really need to say anything else, especially if you live in America right now. You probably feel like you are in the end times. Um, and he's exploiting it by saying, look, you want to be ready. There's not going to be any food. You may as well buy my buckets for $1,000 or whatever. And uh, yeah. Something that was interesting that they pointed out on that YouTube video was that for a lot of the things, you needed boiling water, you needed like a refrigerator, you needed a functioning oven. So, you know in the apocalypse assuming you have a fully functional kitchen you'll be fine with this <laughs> oh, as bucket as long as i have a microwave yeah yeah but you'll be right if you're one of the rich people who've got their private bunkers right yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's because you believe in prosperity gospel prosperity so gospel. you're gonna god's gonna deck you out i wonder if jim baker has a bunker the baker bunker full of <laughs> baker buckets <laughs> i bet you anything some of these people have um filmed like rapture videos yeah. and they've got them and like if the rapture happens and then there's a DVD that says hello the rapture has happened every year they wake up and like pause it again <laughs> for another day because they're like oh i guess because the day they disappeared like it'll just be released into the ether yeah, yeah probably just like the bank of buckets don't they like have a little bit of a nostalgic ring they remind me of like the y2k panic yeah. in like 1999 yeah. uh -uh. it was yeah. pretty minimal though like the panic Maybe... Yeah. Well, no, I remember um, shitting at youth group Friday night and we're like, oh, midnight happened. Why is nobody, I was like, why is no one talking about this? Like the day I discovered acid rain, I was like, why aren't we talking about acid rain? Turns out it's not as big a deal as what I read in the encyclopedia I read. But Y2K, same thing. Um, but this, these Baker Buckets remind me of um, Doomsday Preppers. Oh, Doomsday Preppers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Those people are afraid. I mean, there's a fine line between being prepared and afraid. I'm an Enneagram 3, so I like to be prepared and I feel productive. Oh, that's when I'm productive and preparing for the future. And I feel like there's a healthy level of anxiety that helps me prepare for the future. This is like to an extreme and people are exploiting that fear. And it's, it's not even just the exploitation of fear it's the exploitation of people's faith it's the yeah. exploitation of people's naivety it's the exploitation of people um, being attracted to the charismatic person on the other side of the tv and while i don't agree with some things in the bible and i'm not saying i totally endorse it what they're doing is screwing some bits of the bible that are actually quite beautiful and not intended for evil Wow, isn't that a verse? What you have intended for evil, God has used for good. Well, what it was intended for good, they are using for evil to um, twist people's faith into fear and get money out of it. 
there is often quite a tight link to televangelists and scandal. Ooh. Yeah. What's up with that? I mean, I wonder if it's, is it just people in the public eye? Because, you know, the royal family, there's always scandals there. And like, you know, Hollywood, there's always scandals among the celebrities. Because no one cares about Joe Blow, who's in the middle of a scandal, trailer park, whatever. Yeah. No one cares about the scandals in my life, really. They're not going to make media. I think there's a difference between Joe Blow and someone with a platform telling other people how to live mm. sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe it's just this happens everywhere because they're famous. We hear about it. Mm. But, Maybe. But what about the fact that they should be held to a higher standard perhaps because of what they're saying? Um, well, not yeah. even what I said, but maybe they should be held to the things that they say they believe. Yeah, see, that's hard because, yes, absolutely. But on the other hand, we're all human. Mm. I don't know. So what are some of the scandals that... So we were talking about Jim Baker and we left out one of the big ones, which was the alleged sexual abuse of Jessica Hahn, one of his employees at a hotel by him and his co-host of the... Um, show that he was doing she claimed that they raped her and that he said afterwards that um or he or his co-host said that what was it the shepherd and the um i think it's um when you help the shepherd you help the sheep yeah as in you look after me you're really helping the people that i'm looking after well when you serve the shepherd you help the sheep or and that, that is what she claimed and she stuck to it her whole life and he even came out with a book later and admitted to it but he was like Oh, but it was consensual, which, you know, no one can prove either way. But I'm inclined to believe that with his history, I um, probably believe the young, you know, the young girl working at his church who he asked to come there for what was supposed to be a babysitting gig and then turn into this. So there was that. And there's the money stuff. I feel like it breaks down into three major types. So we've got like the sex scandals. We've got um, they lie about their money. So like tax like evasion fraud. and fraud. Yep. And... They lie about what they're selling. So fake healings. Um, what was it? Peter Popoff, um, who was exposed. Um, people thought that he, God was downloading into his mind what their illness was, um, even down to like what street address they had. And that's how much God cared about them because he would say it and he'd be like, oh, is your name Rachel? Yes. Do you live at 12 Blueberry Lane? Yes. I know you're deaf in your left ear. Yes. Okay. God wants to pray for you. Turns out his wife was feeding it to him through an earpiece because everybody who entered the hall had written down on prayer cards where they were from and what their prayer needs were. So that's the third thing. They're lying about what they're selling or what they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah, like holy oil and all that. And some of the other scandals. So I found an article in USA Today and the headline tells you everything. Oh, fraud private jets and a Lamborghini. Ten evangelists who face controversy. So we've got Kenneth Copeland, who said the demon thing about how he didn't want to be stuck in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Um, and that's why he flies private instead of commercial. And then he immediately backtracked on it and said, no, I never said that, even though he did. We've got Jesse Duplantis, Louisiana minister, who has a private jet as well. And he said, now some people believe that preachers shouldn't have jets. This is in a video from two years ago in 2018. I really believe that preachers ought to have every available outlet to get this gospel preached to the world. In the same video, he showed off a photo of the three planes owned by his ministry that bore the caption. It's not about possessions, it's about priorities. Oh, I mean, Ravi Zacharias and... Ravi the... Zacharias and the sexting. Um, it was email as well, <laughs> to begin with, and they started texting. But, like, 
What kind of a numpty raves receipts? So Jim Baker's come up in this article. He's um he's selling properties at his Christian themed Morningside development southwest of Branson, Missouri, and he said his development located in the Ozark Mountains is the safest place to live when the apocalypse comes. Where are you gonna go when the world's on fire? He said. Where are you gonna go? This place is for God's people, and this place we need some farmers to move here. What the heck, man? These people are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think if the apocalypse happens, we're pretty okay in the hills here. We're the second most isolated city in the world. We're yeah. Up in the hills. Yeah. I've seen Mad Max. We're fine. No, I, I feel pretty safe where we are. Yeah. When do we start dressing like Mad Max characters, though? Now. Now. Does okay. Jim Baker have a how to dress for the apocalypse? Because I bet you he would sell it if he could. Yeah. Back to scandals. We've got Joel Osteen and Hurricane Harvey, um, refusing to let people camp out in his church. Mm. Because, uh, it, yeah, what did he say? He said it was inaccessible because of severe flooding, but then people posted photos showing that it, it wasn't. Uh, John Gray, a mega church pastor, gave his wife $200,000 Lamborghini for their eighth anniversary. <laughs> God's helped me to make my wife's dream come true. <laughs> um, and his church, his church actually weren't happy with him. He was like, my wife has pushed for my dreams and my vision and she has toiled with a man who is still trying to find himself. That carries a weight. I wanted to honor her for how she's covered me with a $200,000 car. Damn. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. John Hagee suggested Hurricane Katrina was God's punishment for New Orleans planning a gay pride rally for LGBT community. Yeah. But these oh. aren't really scandals. These are just douchey things that people have done. But there's, you can Google anyone and there's like, because they can't prove a lot of stuff too. It's people saying things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Jim Baker's like the best example because he did go to jail for a little bit. Yeah. And he's also sure. a slime ball. <laughs> and also still a person. Speaking of John Hagee and uh, profiting of fear, I came across a book that he um, wrote a few years ago entitled Financial Armageddon. What you must do to survive the devastation of an economic collapse. We're in a battle for our very survival. Discover how oil will become the ultimate weapon of war. Learn the four events that will cause the West to implode. Keep your investments from funding the enemy's advance. Why energy independence is key to our survival. Which I am sure if you look up a certain big bookstore near you in Perth on their website, you can find it for thirteen ninety nine. Great advertisement. And what do rich people fear most? Losing their money. Losing their money. Hmm. Um, so this week we're trying something new on our podcast. We were thinking about doing a little segment at the end um, where we talk about things that we've experienced this week that we would like to please don't stop because it's so good. So something I've been doing in place of church is going to the farmer's market up the road from me and eating an amazing vegan bagel with avo smash on it and having a coffee. And I would very much like the little bagel shop people to please not stop making those bagels. Can I just say, I love the internet. Um, so I have been starting to finally watch The Witcher this week. Geralt, please don't stop. 
<laughs> you know, no, I'll, I'll show it really I quickly. It, I'll show it really quickly. Before I started watching, you know, I saw pictures of him and the gifts and the memes, and I was like, yeah, I get why people are attracted to him, but I'm not really that into it. And then the first moment he says, hmm, I was like, huh, huh. Anyway, it was really fun this week because I had a friend um, who was sick from work and he was online and I was online and we both watched it on Netflix together and it was fun. Yeah, I like that. 2020. Okay, so I recently discovered a new show, which is new for me, probably not for everyone else. I binge watched it in three weeks. Oh, okay, it was a week. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's seen Shit's Creek, but it's on par with like The Office, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine as being like now one of my all-time favorite. Can rewatch it over and over. It just brings me so much life and joy. It's um, if you don't know what it's about, like just check it out. It's a, it's about a rich family who suddenly fall from grace. Ooh, like telenovelas. Um, because they lose all their money, someone runs away with it, and the dad bought the son um as a joke for his birthday. He bought him the rights to the town shit's called shit's creek and it's the only thing they have still in their name after their financial manager runs away with all all of their money so they end up moving there and having to step down into regular life and it's um it's pretty hilarious so yeah give it a big recommend please don't stop but they have stopped they've finished their final season they won a bunch of awards which just validated it even more for me that i made a right decision to watch it and you should too shit's creek Letitia, if you were a televangelist, how would you sign off every episode? I'll see you in hell. <laughs> I like it. It suits you. Um, God wants your money and so do I. <laughs> Maybe. I, don't know. I like that. <laughs> what would you have, Anna? I think I would sign off with something along the lines of Please continue giving me all your money and believing all my lies. Mm. Mm. Do you know what we would collectively say um, to those people if they were like, should we send you money? Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. Although really it's not them. We want the televangelists to stop. Yeah, that's true. Please stop preying on these individuals. Jeez. Please stop, Jim Baker. Right, well, um, thank you for joining us tonight. It was an interesting discussion. Um, please like and subscribe to our Facebook page. Um, if you disagree with anything, get into some flame wars with me on the page. I love nothing more than to troll. And we'll see you in a fortnight. We'll see you in hell. See you in hell. And send us all your money. We'll send you all. <laughs> 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 and we'll pray for it before we do. Yeah, have a face oil we can use. <laughs> <laughs> Canola oil is cheaper.